With the NowJobs app, you're only three clicks away from a new student worker. Let us introduce you to the NowJobs app. That's extra help in just a few clicks. No fuss, no administration. Download it now. Available in Belgium, the Netherlands, France, and soon in Germany. NowJobs. Get the job done. Ka-ching! Kids, lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Oh, yeah. A nudist group in England has seen the fastest growth in new members since it was founded in 1964. Well, that's one way to beat the heat, isn't it? You're listening to the Chad and Cheese Podcast Does Europe. I'm your co-host, Joel Buff Baking Cheeseman. This is Chad, first world problem so wash. I'm leaving my skills are future-proof, Van Eeuwenhuizen. And on this episode, <laughs> London's expanding in my knickers. Spotify stays home and a chat with Jabot. Let's do this. Europe has a bunch of countries in it. European. Talent. Intelligence. What does it mean? Imagine a world where it's easier for you to find and know your target group. Where it's easier to recruit and attract the talent you need from a European talent pool. Every year... Thousands of corporate recruiters, HR departments and intermediaries rely on Intelligence Group to make that dream a reality. Intelligence Group is the European market leader in recruitment talent intelligence. With innovative dashboards and tailor-made research in 28 European countries. It is our job to empower you as a state-of-the-art data-driven recruitment business partner. Recruiting with data is great. Recruiting with Intelligence Group is better. Learn more about our services at intelligence-group.nl Intelligence Group, market leader in European talent intelligence. Knickers, really? Knickers? Knickers. (laughs) Knickers. It's 1824. Knickers. Ah, Jesus. Well, that's that's how I feel because I actually had to hardline into my internet because my goddamn computer's Wi-Fi adapter is fucking blown or some shit. I don't know. Goddamn Intel. I love that you worked in hardwire with my nudist uh, news clip. That was nice. And I I had to work in fastest growth in new members. Uh, Hopefully everyone caught that one. We have a smart listenership. They did now. They did now. Yeah. <laughs> Leaving, how are things in the old country? Has it cooled down a little bit? It's uh, heating up again, which is good because I have a swimming pond in my backyard, which needs heating up. So, so is uh, it cold? Is is it cold at this time right now? For me, it's too cold to swim. It's 22 degrees. It's Celsius. You don't know what Celsius means, but uh, <laughs> it's cold. It's cold. That's about what my wife likes in the hotel room. It has to be between 18 and 20. So 22 is not that warm. No. no, I was going to say, I was going to say that's around 70 or like 68 degrees, right? Ooh. I don't know. It's 68. cold. Yeah, it's cold. Oh, hell no. Not getting in that. It's been pretty hot, but now it's, it's okay. It's agreeable. It's a nice temperature and it's getting hot again next week. So, uh, but I don't really mind. I it's like been, this. it's been hot here. We got some rain, which has made it incredibly humid. So we went out to mow the lawn yesterday and I felt like I just went swimming in a swimming pool for God's sake. <laughs> it is a little soupy, soupy here in the Midwest for sure. <laughs> so as long as it's too hot in the hot tub, who cares too what the pool's the temperature tub. is. Well, shall we get to some shout outs, gentlemen? Yes. All right. I'm going to go first if that's okay. Okay. All right. Shout out to the European travel surge, everybody. It's not just the nudists in the UK that are surging. Uh The number of international travelers heading to Europe is surging to, according to hotel giants Hilton and Marriott, quote, Europe's on fire with a huge surge in business, end quote. They added Europe is now trending above 2019. Specifically, Marriott's CFO said, Rev par 
That's revenue per available room. I didn't mm-hmm. know that, and most of our listeners probably don't either. In Europe, nope. surpassed 2019 levels in June, marking a 50 percentage point increase from January. Moreover, Airbnb's growth in Europe is incredibly healthy, with now six of the top 10 cities for Airbnb rentals. Now in Europe, shout out to Surging Europe, and I'll add that Chad and I will see you all again real soon. Very, very soon. Leaving? My shout out goes to Bernard Marr. He's a futurist and a column writer for Forbes, and he has written a book on future skills. And I'm going to read the full title, The 20 Skills and Competencies Everyone Needs to Succeed in the Digital World. And... Rika, our CEO, my boss, asked me recently to write an article about future skills and about um, constant learning and education, etc. And because Bernard already did, I don't have to. So thank you, Bernard. Shout out. Any of, the, any of the skills you can share so that I can pass them on to my teenage kids? Well, I only read 14 out of 20 and I thought, okay, I'm going to pass the test. My skills are future proof. So I stopped <laughs> reading afterwards. But um, basically... It's all digital, as we thought. And uh, no, it's not true. It's not true. It's about uh, innovation and creativity. And but you have to read the book. I'm not going to give away his key takeaways because he probably wants to sell some copies. Does virtual reality make the list? That's that's really what I want to know. Metaverse and virtual reality, kids. Oh my God! Yeah. So okay, my my shout out's going to align more with uh, with Joel's, uh, but well, I don't know. Future proofing energy. Uh, my shout out is to European gas prices. Now let, let's put let's put this in into context, kids, because here in the U.S. we get pissed. We get our feathers ruffled when it's above five dollars a gallon, mm-hmm. and uh, in Europe today it's it's more like seven fifty. What did you say? So luckily they have amazing infrastructure for the most part, trains, boats, all that other fun stuff. Because uh, $7.50, shit. And planes are cheap too. You said, you know, trip yeah. like, what is it, 25 bucks to go from, uh, you know, England to Spain? I mean, like Ryan, Ryanair and Ryanairs. Yeah. yeah Easy driving. jets. Yeah. All that shit. I mean, you get the, you get the low cost, kind of like the spirit version, which are actually better, I think, in, in, in Europe. But yeah, man, it, you can find some, some cheap deals. We, uh, when we didn't get a chance to go to Belgium in November last year, we actually just rescheduled and went to Malta instead. So we flew into Paris and it was 65 euros a piece to fly to Malta round trip. And I enjoy it because I, we I went to Canada uh, this weekend and they sell it in liters. So you don't feel as bad when you pay for it in liters. But then you do the math and go, holy shit, gas is expensive. Gas is expensive. Events, baby. Where are we going? Where are we going? Oh, well. We're gonna do some American trips, which we're still trying to get leaving uh, here in the here in the new country. Yeah, HR no, Tech, no baby. update on that. But he we, he's got Nashville and Vegas, hopefully on his travel list. Any word on that, leaving? You gonna join us out there? Yep, I will. I will. Excellent. Right. Well, that was easy. That was too easy. That- and then uh, I don't know, Chad. You're probably going to Portugal on vacation at some point. But yeah, we've got uh, we've got Unleash in paris in october one of our favorite shows that we do during the year it's coming yeah no question going to be there in paris and then going to take a uh, nice little stint for q4 in portugal oh nice you're basically taking the holidays off from what i understand basically the entire <laughs> after we leave paris after we uh-huh. leave paris i'm in portugal until <laughs> like early january and then i'll then i'll then yeah. i might come back yeah <laughs> it's the cheese podcast for two months during the holidays, everybody. Yeah, we have internet there for God's sakes. I can do, I can do this shit from anywhere. I'm, I'm on the Spotify plan. <laughs> it's topics. topics. Let's go to London, everybody. All right. This Ooh. is from TechCrunch. Despite the downturn, companies are looking to London for expansion. Uh, we talk a lot about layoffs on the show. But that isn't stopping employers from growing headcount and office space in jolly old England. TechCrunch reported, quote, London in particular remains a key destination for international firms looking to spread their proverbial wings with U.S. unicorns and public companies revealing inaugural or upsized offices in the U.K. capital in recent months. And closer to home, a bunch of smaller European tech companies have also extended their reach out across the English Channel 
with their first UK hubs, end quote. So guys, what do you make of all this loving for London town? I think it's more like a slight recovery. I mean, so many companies closed their London offices after the Brexit, then there was COVID, remote work. So London was getting kind of a brain drain or a European drain. And now companies are coming back. And 40% of those new companies are actually returning companies, just getting back to London, thinking, okay, Brexit isn't that terrible. Mm -hmm. Uh, They know what's happening now. They feel more secure. They're getting back. And I can also imagine now with remote work, local offices are closed down all over the world, but corporate needs a presentation. And of course, a presence in a major city like London is better than, let's say, Reykjavik in Iceland, Iceland or something. There's also legislation, there's tax, and not being part of European Union is probably a good thing if you want to decide to lower the taxes to attract companies. And all these things together, I think, make London attractive again. And it's still London. And I mean, London is closer to Scotland than Paris is. So we all want to be in Scotland. So, <laughs> Yeah, but they don't have internet in Scotland. That's but the they problem. Have <laughs> they have so many beautiful sheep. Yes. <laughs> Closer to New York, too. Oh, geez. Yeah. Well, I, it's funny because we take a look at the European taxes uh, and then we take a look at, you know, the, the U.S. taxes or what we call taxes. And then all we have to do is start to roll in all of the different, quote unquote, benefits that we have to pay for, which are really taxes in the first place. So if you actually do that, and I think many companies are, are looking at that, if you look at the amount of money that you're spending on taxes slash non-taxes in the U.S. versus Europe, you pay less in Europe no matter what. And they have universal health care and that kind of shit. So what what I believe, and this is not just Europe, I think we're going to see, we're going to see an awakening where people are waking up every day, having that morning stretch, grabbing a cup of coffee, and they're coming to the realization that the American dream is alive and well in Europe. <laughs> That's the thing. And it's really, it's blowing my mind because when we take a look at our taxes and, and obviously we're making kind of like a part-time move to Europe, we did these huge assessments on what's it going to cost. What do we get? Uh, not just from a personal standpoint, but also from a company standpoint. And uh, to me, it's much easier infrastructure, way of life. You know, you're not uh, greed is not good, all that other fun stuff. So yeah, companies do want to be able to squeeze as much out of their employees as they possibly can. But if they can have great employees, great talent, which is what's drawing these companies to these places, it's not it's not the tax code as much as it's, it's the talent, I think. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that leaving you, you underscored the Brexit question because I didn't know what, what kind of impact that had on companies, particularly in Europe. And the fact that you underscored that it was a negative at first, and it, it sort of, it looks like it's become a positive in Britain being able to sort of make their own rules around taxes and regulations that maybe the, uh, uh, the EU hinders them with. So I'm glad that you painted that picture for me. Um, yeah, I think everything you guys said was certainly on the right track. Uh, you know, hooray imperialism, I guess, partly uh, spreading English around the world has turned out to be a good thing for globalism. Um, and as companies want to have a middle ground between America and not just America, but North America, South America, as well as having real nice access to to Europe um, is a positive. And with a lot of uh, geopolitical issues with China and and Russia, I think London is becoming a much more amenable place uh, than it has before. The language of business more and more is English. So London becomes kind of an easy center point um, for English speakers and being able to do business all around the world. And like you guys mentioned, regulations, I mean, uh, England is the lowest, has the lowest corporate tax rate among all G7 countries. Um, they have research and development tax credits that are really friendly to startups uh, coming over and, and creating creating companies. Uh, regulations also make London a, an ideal place for test testing new technologies and products and services. They have kind mm-hmm. of a like a, a sandbox that's uh, friendly to taxes and regulations uh, for startups. England got really good as as their empire declined with sort of financial engineering and how to make England uh, a nice place to park money, to spend money, to put companies. Um, just ask the Russian oligarchs that are feeling the pinch that all went to uh, to England at one point. They're pretty good the, at this all stuff. The houses, yeah. and they've they've rotated it from yachts, super yachts, and mansions to to startups and businesses around the world. So uh, I say cheers to London 
and uh, welcome this new um, trend to startups and companies headed to London. I think it's good for for America as well as as Europe. Mm-hmm. Okay, so question: Do you enjoy going to Europe? In London, let's just say London specifically more, mm-hmm. or would you rather go to Manhattan? Well, Manhattan is even farther away from Scotland. But um, <laughs> I think for me, if I was going on a trip, I would go to Manhattan because it's more exotic to us than London is. London uh-huh. is pretty close. And I've yeah. been to London lots of times. I've only been to Manhattan a few times. But uh, London is probably more fun to live in. I think so. I've never lived in Manhattan. I've spent some time in London, not really mm-hmm. living there, but... I think I would prefer London. Is that where you'd start a company? If I wanted to start a company, I, I'd pick something I I know. So I yeah. probably I know Europe much better than, than Manhattan. Manhattan sounds even more expensive than London is. And yeah. I mean, the real estate in London used to be terrible. The prices, I mean, not the real estate. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but now it's it's getting acceptable because of the, the drain there has been. So now it's afford, not affordable. It's still expensive, but it's... It's okay. And I think Manhattan is probably one of the most expensive regions in the world. To, for a startup, you, you can't just launch something in Manhattan, I feel. It's pretty expensive. Well, I think the, the lure for anybody, like you had said, it's more exotic to come to Manhattan because London's right there. I think it's the same way for individuals here in the U.S. with uh, with London. It's also interesting how, you know, Dublin for a while was sort of the the centerpiece for low taxes and, and tech companies moving there. And the, the luster has seemed to come off of Dublin a little bit and it's sort of transferred over to London. And I don't know if that's sort of global smackdown on, on tax breaks for, for those kinds of companies um, or what exactly is going on. But, but Dublin to me seems to not be talked about much anymore for tax breaks and companies going over there. And, and I, I'm curious, leaving your take as well, do, you know, does Paris, Copenhagen, Stockholm, do those cities and countries follow suit or do they kind of let London have this position as a a startup friendly, business friendly city? I think Berlin really tried to be the most startup friendly. I mean, talking about technology, it's Berlin. It's the most hip, the most startup friendly, I guess. Mm -hmm. Paris has never been the most trendy city. It's just uh, very cultural and it's beautiful, but I don't think they have the image of being the most innovative city Berlin has. Mm-hmm. The Nordics all try to be innovative, and they are, I guess, in their way. Yeah. Uh, so it, it depends. It's different. Um, they all have their pros and cons. London is nothing that I would associate with startups. It's more like the, the city is for the financial institutions, the really big companies. But now there is a new vibe in London, which is a good thing. Do you feel like EU hinders those countries from being sort of innovative around taxes and regulations to get companies there? Or are they sort of free to act on their own? They can always work around, but um, the more rules there are, the harder it is. And there are many rules. Well, and you talk about Dublin, you know, there's there's a saturation rate, especially for, you know, a a city the size of Dublin. Yeah. And the amount of companies that were going into Dublin was ridiculous. So to be able to get there first and foremost, I mean, the lure of lower taxes is one thing. And obviously, you know, trying to trying to open up a footprint in Europe is is great. If you want mm-hmm. a, a launch pad that they were making it an easy launch pad. But the problem is saturation where London, you have a much larger talent pool and the the infrastructure, the the transportation to be able to, to yep. get in and out of work and that airport. type of thing. Yep. Yeah. Air, airport. Shit, they've got what four <laughs> major fucking airports? You know, I mean, New Manhattan, I know it has two. Well, I mean, if you include include Newark, which you probably should, three. For, for me, take a look at the saturation rate. It's probably why we haven't heard much from Dublin lately. Great point, Chad. Great point. Anything else? That'd be it. All right, All right let's take a quick break, and uh, we'll talk about Spotify and our recent interview in Belgium. Europe has a bunch of countries in it. Everyone deserves their best job. That's what Fiji stands for. We make a big difference for independent recruiters with the strength of our fast-growing recruiter network. At Fiji, you can be your best self and work for the company you'd like whenever and wherever. We support you with the best digital and online recruitment marketing. We offer professional business development support, recruitment specialist training, and a bit of rebellious network meetings. Let's join strengths and help more professionals find the job they love. Celebrate recruitment and join Fiji at FYGI.nl. Well, guys, from London, let's go to Stockholm, the home of music streaming service Spotify. 
While many companies saw increased turnover during the Great Resignation, Spotify's turnover actually went down and the company improved diverse representation. Why? Three words, work from anywhere. The policy lets employees determine how often they work from the office and where they work as long as the company has an operation there. The audio streaming service also changed how it sets salary bands, and Chad will get a boner over this one, calibrating them by country instead of city or region, a benefit surely appreciated by employees and not just Chad. Around 6% of them uh, moved after the policy's uh, statement. Shocker, I know that people prefer choice. So guys, what's your take on Spotify's success? They have the perfect business to do so. I mean, they're strictly digital. They don't have any manufacturing of products or whatsoever. So their people mm-hmm. can work from home. I mean, if you have a plant and you have a factory and you have to, to produce stuff, mm-hmm. things have to be produced on the spots there. It's a different uh, approach. So for them, it's it's perfect. And I can imagine it's even cost-saving if you don't need so many offices. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I totally understand why they do so. But I was surprised. Um, Joel just said something like, uh, the company lets employees decide on how often they work remote, where they work from, as long as the company has an operation there. So does that mean if I'm living in uh, Belgium uh, during summer, uh, sorry, during winter, but I want to go snowboarding in summer in New Zealand because they have snow in New Zealand when it's summer here, I can't because they don't have an operation there. Mm-hmm. Is that the way I, I do I get it right? So they you can only work from a place at home if they have an operation there. Doesn't make any sense to me. The wording is kind of weird there, but I think if you hit a WeWork uh, while you're snowboarding, I think you'd be okay. Okay, yeah. then it makes sense. Otherwise, it would be kind of stupid. You can work from home, but only if your home is close to the office. <laughs> It's, it's like weird. <laughs> I thought it was interesting that they talk about, you know, the increase in, you know, in, in, in diversity. And it's like, well, yeah, you got out of Sweden, for God's sakes. I mean, that's all it takes. You, you yeah. step out of the whitest area in the world and then you go somewhere else. Well, of course, you know, your diversity goes up. But the retention piece <laughs> is, is, is pretty amazing. But I mean, expanding into Europe and Germany, Spain, the Netherlands, and now they're registered in, in 42 different U.S. states. Um, we're going to see a huge difference in companies who are going to demand back in the office and companies who don't demand that you do anything, but get your shit done. Mm -hmm. And this is to me, you know, most of those companies are clinging to a crumbling vestige of, of yester century for God's sakes. It's like, can, can we just allow autonomy and trust to happen. And if people don't get their shit done, what happens? They get fucking fired. And the thing that kills me is in sales for years, forever, we get, we have goals. What happens if we don't hit the fucking goals? We get put on a PIP, a performance plan, right? And if we don't hit the PIP, what happens? We get fired. Why isn't everybody held to the same exact standard? I mean, it, it, to me just seems incredibly simple. And from a management standpoint, you get to push off a little bit. Yes, you do need to help and provide education and guidance and, you know, mentoring all those other fun things that you should be doing anyway. But it's just like, can we just finally evolve out of this old 1950s manufacturing style punch in the clock situation that many companies still want to go back to? Yeah, I think I think Levin hit it hit it on the head when he said, you know, it's a perfect business to do this, and there are more and more companies like this that sort of deal in zeros and ones, yeah. and those companies will mandatorily have to have this model, right? Like Airbnb, Twitter, Spotify, like that. If you don't do that, you're going to lose talent to your competitors that are. Well, doing you're going to things, you're right? going to if you're if you're ma- like let's say for instance if you're a, a, an old brick and mortar organization, but you do have tech ops, right? Do you think you're going to get the same type of talents, top talents? No. So, so I think I think the, the, what I see is sort of three buckets here. You have like mm-hmm. the, the total knowledge base. We yeah. deal in software, et cetera. Those should all be work from anywhere, wherever. Then you have like the, your DJ Saul and your Jamie Dimon and Wall Street. They're like, get your ass in the office. We're boiling the frog. This is the way it's going to be. And then you have this middle ground like Tesla, right? So Tesla is like, get your ass back to work if you're in accounting, marketing, whatever, because the people who make the cars are in here every day and everyone that supports those people need to be in the office. 
And those those middle ground businesses are going to be really challenged to hold on to to people that don't need to be in the office. Like, is it would I rather be a marketing manager at Tesla or would I rather be one at Airbnb? More than likely Airbnb. So Tesla is going to have to make a hell of a brand message as to why you should go back in the office and work for for a Tesla. I think they're going to be really challenged going yeah, forward uh, with with the workforce. And mm-hmm. Elon wasn't particularly subtle on it. Huh? Yeah, he no. wasn't. It, he, he's not subtle on much, especially <laughs> when he's on a yacht and he looks like the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man for God's sake. That wasn't tan to me. He looked a little tan yeah. to me. I, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Like. I mean, there, there's a great line from Wall Street that says you, you can't be a little bit pregnant. I mean, those companies are trying to be a little bit pregnant and it's very mm-hmm. hard to do. Yeah. And again, I, I just think, again, we're, we're hanging on to a vestige of what we believe. Again, it's like make America great again. Make work great again. Well, well, fuck you. OK, <laughs> work wasn't great for everybody. OK, work sucked for a lot of motherfucking yeah. people. So why don't we if we're going to make it great, let's make it try to make it great for everybody if you're in a position where you are in manufacturing and you got to work a line well yeah you gotta go to work right Mm -hmm. i mean that's it is what it is but to 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 be able to to think that you can't be a little bit pregnant I, i that to me that parallel is not even close to what we should be talking about here there should be variations and autonomy given but again you've been given so much rope don't hang yourself so, so part of the question too, Chad, is is our conversation that that goes back years is you know could the iPhone have been created in a work from home world? Hmm. Um, I don't think it could, and you think that it could. So, yeah. if at some point we can make Teslas without being in the office, whether that be through mo- automation or VR or whatever, then it becomes a situation where everybody can be at home or work wherever, whenever, and however they want. And my guess is that we're going to try to get to that world as soon as possible. Yeah. Because Tesla is going to lose people to Airbnb and Twitter and Spotify. It depends how old you are. I mean, I'm 45 and I've got my family and I've got I've got everything here. And I like it not having to sit in my car for four hours a day and spend more time with my family and be more productive just by not losing time commuting. Yeah. But my very young colleagues, they don't have a family, they live by themselves. Mm -hmm. And they actually were lonely when they had to work from home because of COVID. And they tried to um, listen to the same radio station while working at home to get in touch together, to to feel kind of bonding. So we're listening to the same music, even though we're all at home. So for those people, I think it would be an advantage to offer them a a corporate environment, which is a nice office. And uh, we have a bar and uh, after work, you have a drink. So we need both. And depending on who you want to hire, you have to spotlight one or the other. So you can be kind of pregnant or a bit <laughs> pregnant, depending on who you want to hire. Oh, yeah. no, And that makes a whole lot of sense, though, too, because we're talking about a lot of these kids who they don't have an experience. They don't have a network. They don't have, you know, the, the they left their friends in high school or college, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're not working yeah. with them anymore. So they need to create this new ecosystem in which they exist. And you can't do that from home. So I agree 100%. But then you have to have the managers who are in and they are obviously there to mentor them and grow them. And then, and then when they get to the point where they do have kids, they do have a house and they're sick of the fucking office and the <laughs> commute, they get an opportunity to say, I'm going to punch the button and I'm going to work from home. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And, and to me, like the companies that say, all right, three days a week, we're going in and then two days we're not, I, I don't, I don't think you're achieving what Spotify is by saying work whenever you want, however you want. The challenge to me is, yes, young people that want to go five days a week and socialize and go to happy hour and, and meet meet people. That's yeah. great. But the executives like leaving that are like, I don't want to go in ever. Yeah. Um, what is the balancing act for leaving to say, OK, I can go in this many days or this time and I'm comfortable with that without looking like he doesn't care about the young people that he's mentoring? I think there's a balance there that will have to work itself out because I've worked at organizations where. Uh, the vacation time is, well, take as much time as you want, whenever you want, uh, you know, just let us know when you're gone. What <laughs> happens is no one takes vacation because everyone feels guilty about it. Whereas you, if they said, okay, two weeks of the year, you have to leave or you lose it, then you feel fine taking vacation. So I'm hesitant to say a lot of people in organizations are going to be like, oh yeah, you can work whenever you want, wherever you want, 
but it's sort of understood that if you're not there, mm. you're, you're fucked. Could be right. Definitely. Yeah. Again, this is an evolution which the pandemic made happen and demonstrated to everybody that this shit can be done. It was done. It, you know, not to mention we've seen wage increases, those types of things. So, you know, the many bad things happened during the pandemic, but this actual kick in the nuts uh, to business, uh, I, it, it was good. It was good. We need change. We need to get out of this comfort zone. Yeah. The gravitational pull to me is work wherever, whenever. That's where it's going and how it gets there. I don't know. There'll be a lot of bumps along the way. But to me, Mm. that's essentially like when Brian Chesky from Airbnb says in 10 years, this is how it's going to be. I think he's right. But how we get there is going to be a little ugly sometimes, a little bumpy. Yeah. But for companies like Spotify, this is perfect. And I was just thinking now you were asking about, uh, would you rather be a marketing manager at uh, Airbnb or at, uh, at Tesla, whatever? I was thinking, what if I was a marketing manager today? at uh, Spotify. And I was planning on the future of Spotify, new products, uh, how can Spotify grow, etc. because they are big in, in, in music, but maybe they should try new uh, new sectors. So I thought, okay, how can they grow? Uh, maybe they they could go into um, live streaming of events already. Of course, they're big in, in podcasts, they already are, they have Chat and Cheese mm. podcast. But uh, <laughs> maybe why not uh, audiobooks uh, like Audible? I, they do have some audiobooks, I think, but not that many. So that could be a thing. Or Spotify learning, all those people in the car sitting, driving, losing time, listening to Chat and Cheese, they could be learning French, let's say, essential French for truck drivers, <laughs> something like that. So French for truck drivers. There's yeah, our next million dollar business kids. Could be, could be so cool. I mean, you sit in the, in the, in the truck learning how to say the gasoline is too expensive in French. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's something you need. And look, people have talked about Spotify as an acquisition target, right? So they've talked about Netflix buying Spotify and combining, you know, video with the audio portion, mm-hmm. yeah. but then Netflix has separate may have separate work uh, situations in Spotify. So there's going to be things like acquisitions. You know, companies are going to hit hit bad times. They're going to close offices. They're going to reduce headcount. Like all that stuff is going to uh, be ugly and part, part of the messy equation to how this thing works. But yeah, I just think the, the gravitational pull is leaning toward work from anywhere. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I think our interview with Elkie, uh, where we she focuses to, to an extent on work-life balance is apropos mm-hmm. for this podcast. Yeah. As, as Elka said in her interview, quote, my mission is to make everyone happy at work. And she goes into detail as, as how companies should be should be looking at that. She also says she doesn't want Trump in, in Europe, which I think we can all universe. <laughs> You're wasting it. Come on. Let's get to let's get I to the interview. It, this is so uh, this is Elka Morenhout. Uh, she's the marketing manager at uh, Jobot in Belgium. And uh, it was a great interview. So enjoy that. We'll be back to close the show. I want to welcome Elka Morenhout. She is marketing manager at Jobot. That's J-O-B-A-T dot B-E. Dot B-E. Elka, thanks for joining us. Cheers. 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 <laughs> well, glad to be here. Yes. <laughs> Nothing like a little beer during a conference having an interview. Yep. And our listeners won't see this, but Elka has the coolest glasses, like Euro to the max glass collection it is pretty on sweet. her face that oh, I yeah. could never, ever pull off. You could never pull that yeah. off. Yeah. And unfortunately, yeah. as listening to this, she can't appreciate it. Yeah. But anyway. If you were here, though, you should be getting, I mean, you know, we are not. So you should be definitely getting the FOMO right now. And we'll figure out how to connect with Elka. Yes. And if you just want to see some cool eyewear <laughs> on LinkedIn. That's it. Just, go to, just go to LinkedIn and you can, you can hook up. <laughs> so, okay, Elka, right out of the gate, had a presentation earlier this morning. What was it about? Keynote. Give us, give us keynote, yeah. keynote. Keynote. Keynote presentation. Keynote presentation. Yes. Well, I, I talked about recruiting in 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 2022 and uh-huh. what is it about to what it is about to find the right candidate because employers or recruiters are having the worst time finding the right people. Yeah. Um, and um, it's because the game has changed so much. The the amount of active job seekers today are so low. Why has that um, changed? Why has that changed though? I mean, we have the same people. So why has that changed? Um, well, because everybody's working. Everybody's at work who can work works. Okay. And and um, uh, but what we do know is that one out of three employees is not happy in his job. Yeah. And. That is something that I is it that I have, low? 
I have difficulty understanding that. Why do you want to do something that you do every day and not be happy? So my mission mm -hmm. is to make everyone happy at work. Um, so, and in part of that's adding the candidates, it's also adding the recruiters of triggering, inspiring those, um, those candidates to um, try and to jump, just jump, take the jump and uh, start actively, actively seeking for a job that you love. Here's the thing, in the US, we have for the last at least 40 years have lived to work right and in europe it's been different i mean you guys mm -hmm. do have more of an equilibrium around work life balance those yeah. types of things so you can see like in the u.s we've had huge problems during covid because we're starting to call people who do essential jobs that's what they are they are now starting to understand that they are essential which before they were never told they were essential now they know they are right yeah. and now they want more money now they're not taking the bullshit right they are looking for another job now in europe okay trying to bridge here how has that been is it been the same kind of thing has it been different tell us a little bit about that well if if i look at uh, Belgium, I think that COVID has really changed the way we we work, and the work-life balance has even become more important. Because if you look at the Netherlands, there the, the work-life balance is much more integrated than it was in Belgium before COVID, and I think that COVID made us realize how precious time at home is and time with our families. So, um, and being or having this better balance between work and home um, just makes it more um, sane in the head and it gives you more peace. So it's, it's, it's like circular and you, you, by getting more peace or rest, well, you're, you're more fresh to start the job the day, the day after. So for me, that is a, one of the positive evolutions um, of, of, uh, of COVID for, for Belgians who were, I think, a bit more um, work, work, work and, and um, homework was not as integrated as, as, uh, as ah. it was in, in other countries like or in, France. Uh, in the Netherlands before. In oh, okay. France, I think it's... it's, it's um, they do have a balance. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So they say, that sounds very American, doesn't it? A little bit. Maybe we're becoming a little bit more European and they're becoming a little more American. Yeah, we, we might be finding that equilibrium finally yes I, I don't know i don't know now you're a, you can have trump by the way then we'll just go ahead and we'll call it <laughs> call it even <laughs> no don't want him <laughs> you're a branding person yeah you, you wave that flag proudly mm -hmm. and we heard earlier today in a presentation no one has loyalty to a company they the first day in they're already thinking about how do I get out of here where do I go I'm gonna leave at some point if that is true there's no loyalty then to me, it's hard to argue that brand matters. In that world, the only thing that matters is what are you paying me? What's the job? Can I do what I want to do uh, in, in, in my off hours? I assume you don't agree with that. I don't totally agree with that because whether you like it or not, people do like stability. And in a world of like today, where in, in my case, for instance, in the last 10 years, I had quite a few uh, reorganization in the companies that I had. It's, it's hard. So, yes, you are seeking something you like or a job that where you are happy at. Um, and maybe we are more on the lookout now for being happy, becoming happy in our jobs. But once we found that, I think that you do have some kind of loyalty to to where you work. I, I think that being proud of where you work is 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 also important, and and a lot of people have it. Uh, maybe it's more questioning ourselves: Are we happy where we are now? And maybe we, we will change. And that is maybe because why people are saying that people aren't loyal anymore. But. Once you found something you like. But do you like the brand that you're working for or you just do you just like the job? When I started looking out for this job, I was looking for a company where to feel good, where people where where there are people where I feel good. The job at at its it itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How important do you think like the flex is? How important is it that to be able to say I work for Google? I work for Facebook. I work for Microsoft. Is that still important in today's world? No, that doesn't matter. Yeah. Oh. It matters 
what you love to do. That's what Jim Carroll told. It's 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 about doing something you like to do and being happy at what you're doing. Yeah. That's important. And if it's with Google or if it's at Jobot, well, very nice. And 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 then I will say proudly, I'm proud to work and I am proud to work at Jobot. That's important. I I think with some people it's important. Yeah. For some, for for some not. Boomers, yeah. No, I, I get that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but 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 really, in in the question around. Because we're talking about loyalty from the employee side, right? Mm-hmm. I think the and, and tell me what you think about this. Yeah, I think employees have seen that the employers have not been loyal. So therefore, they've just kind of said, "Well, if you're not going to be loyal, there's no reason for me to be loyal. I need to be happy, and I'm not happy doing this." Well, I think that is changing today, and okay. that is why employer branding is is such a hot topic today because employers are now knowing that it is important it's not it's not about the can you as an employer Uh in back in the days yes (laughs) when i started when i went for a job posting um it was the, the the employer who said I like you, I don't like you. Mm-hmm. But now it's the candidate who says, what do you have to offer me, dear employer? I don't like you. I don't like you. Yeah. And so employers are noticing that and they are knowing now that employer branding is more important to see, to show what they can offer mm-hmm. to a candidate. And what does that mean to you? I think 20 years ago it was, we have a ping pong table and free lunches. <laughs> Juices. Yeah, I, juice I box. I don't think that has the same gravitas that it used to. What does that mean to you today? Is it is it time off? Is it maternity leave? Is it education uh, enhancement? Like what does, what's the new ping pong table? For me, it depends on the stage on, on which, in which stage of life you are at, at the moment. And, um, a lot of companies today are actually offering to their employees a, a flex plan where you can choose in function of your life at that moment. Well, today I'm renovating the house, the kids, I want to spend more time with the kids. Well, um, I'm going to take some extra vacation days or uh, sometimes you need more money. Well, I I will replace the the extra vacation days by 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 um, by some more salary. And that is what we're evolving to. It's respect for me as a person. And my boss once told me to me, Elke, it's just a job. And I was so shocked when she said that and I said, but, but okay, but I want to do the can and, and I'm, I'm afraid that you will, will say that I'm not doing a good job. And she just repeated, it's just a job. Chill out. Chill out. Chill out, Elka. And she's right. Yeah. And it doesn't mean by saying it's just a job, it doesn't mean that you don't do well your job. Right. No, not at all. It made me realize to get a bit more rest and and to start to stop working a bit earlier yes well, it made me better the it next sounds day like you're saying customization is important yeah. what's great for this person isn't great for that person and if you try to put everyone in the same box you're going to lose so which is going to be hard for companies it's going to be really hard everybody wants something different and yeah. there's no just yeah. broad stroke of this is going to appeal to everybody yeah and we're good well i think it's interesting though because we talk about equity right everybody gets the same right mm-hmm. this is going to be something that's different right because you could actually give some salary up for more flex yeah. time or, or what have you but i think one of the things that we've dealt with over the years, well, I know what we've dealt with over the years is that employers have pretty much standard and, di- and dictated it, standardized and dictated what everybody got, right? Mm-hmm. And other than salaries, because you had to quote unquote negotiate for that. But in the future, you're picking it. So you yeah. can't come back to me. I'm the company. You can't come back to me and say, hey, you didn't give me X, Y, and Z. Well, it's like, well, you didn't choose it. So doesn't this feel a good evolution it's good for the employee but it's also good for the company because they they actually have less risk at this point absolutely it's a it's a good evolution that is what we are trying to at Jobpot. we we really want to try and make every candidate reflect on what he's doing today is Uh he happy and okay i'm inspired by some an article or, or or a story that and Okay, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna jump. I'm gonna actively seek for that job that I love to do. That's the most important mission we we have to make people reflect on that. 
we've talked recently about how bad ATSs are with applying to a job and, and learning more about a company. We see more about automation where candidates are interacting with chatbots mm-hmm. uh, or conversational AI. And most of that feedback has been positive. Yeah. Because the the standard is the black hole. You apply and you hear crickets. You hear nothing. And at least you're, t- I mean, you may be talking to a robot, but at least you're yeah. talking to something. What tips would you give companies that are sort of at this crossroads of, well, we're looking at automation. How do we make our process better? What tips are you giving them to, to do it right? For me, I, I, I'm a balanced person. And I think automation is a is is a big and and good thing and it gives companies the time to invest in the people on the people side automate what you can and what does not need this human interaction but i think covid has learned us that human interaction is important we need a, a pat on the shoulder we need to talk to someone to have personal feedback and so use the automation to get rid of of, of the things that you don't like to do or that don't need human interaction and use that time to invest in people how do we do that in a remote society yeah. Because how you, again, how do you got, pat someone on the back? Yeah, it's hard. I mean, you <laughs> can Zoom. you can digitally pat somebody on the back, say "good job" or send them a text yeah. or something like that. Is that something that we are just going to have to evolve and get used to? Is that you know we have to have better connections with our employees because we're not going to see them at the water cooler every day? I could only talk about my experience. Mm-hmm. Is that when I look at the younger generation, the, the early 20, 20, yeah. 20 years. I see that they are afraid to call people. Even in this remote um, environment that we're living in, they're sending emails, they're chatting, but they're not talking to each other. And that is something as um, almost being 40, I just take the phone and I, and I call someone and uh-huh. I ask, what do you think of that? Or, hey, want to go, uh, want to have a, a Teams call with video just to see each other? And, and you can text. I, I also text and I also send emails. And But it's it's about giving feedback and, and sending an email. There's some nuance that gets lost. And yeah, Elka's out of control. She's on the phone. She's calling people. She is out of control. These are all things Joel does not do. My team members yeah. will be laughing when they when they hear this because yeah. they're also. You need to calm down with all this calling. I always say, just you you can send the email, okay? Yeah. But call first and then send the email, yeah. and and it works. You make you get more connection with people by doing that. Yeah. Well, and the, if they have questions they can clarify then and you can get through it yeah as opposed to having a string of 25 emails yeah which does seem it, it that in itself is frustrating mm-hmm. so you you take the frustration out of it as well so yeah. so be more human pick up the phone it is going to be a different world where we're not going to get a physical pat on the back i'm waiting for that mind meld where i can just think of a number and call people in my brain Musk is doing that. I do that. Yeah. The, the, the pig uh, neuro yeah, network Yeah, I need that thing. chip yeah. immediately. Yep. Immediately. Um, Elka, you, you gave a lot of tips in your presentation. Yeah. Knowing that there was some great content there. Give us some of those tips that you had in your presentation that you think some of our listeners would uh, benefit yeah. from. I talked about two priorities. One priority is recruiting and within the recruitment, how to find the right candidate. I think there the biggest tips is know your candidate. Uh, Go and do some research. If you're looking for an IC tier, well, go on on, on the lookout and, and see what, what do they expect. Is it um, um, uh, training that they want? Is it a pat on the back that they want? Is it nice nice colleagues that they want? Um, we have a study. We, we um, actually, we um, questioned 10,000 Belgians um, within different function profiles, ICT, um, engineering, uh, sales, and we asked them according to their experience level, if they're a junior, a media, a senior, um, what they are looking for when looking for a job. And that is important, knowing your candidate, then I think it's uh, very important that to spread the word as there are so much passive job seekers today uh, who are currently working and afraid to jump and to go actively seek for a new job, you need to have different touch points, spread the word, but on the right channels. And then you also need a partner that has the profile data, which is uh, very important today. It's smart data, having the profiles to target the right people with your message. And then employer branding, tell your 
authentic story to uh, possible candidates. Stop being a faker. I'm just looking for that pat on the back and a phone call. I'll give you a pat on the back. <laughs> for our listeners who want to connect with you and learn more, where would you send them? I would send them naturally at jobatbin.be. <laughs> That's J-O-B-A-T dot B-E. Elka, thank you. And thank uh, you. we appreciate it. Yeah. Take care. Thanks. So, so Joel, what was your favorite part of that interview? My favorite part of the interview was when I asked, does, does brand still matter? Because so much of what we talk about is, hey, if, if I get the pay I want, if I get the flexibility I want, I get the benefits that I want, then that's what the individual is looking for in an employer. Whereas I tend to think, yes, they want that. But they also want to. They, they also kind of want to flex. They want to tell their friends, "I work for a Google. I work for a Microsoft. I work for a big company, and you don't." Yeah, I, I, that's where I go back to my OK Boomer. <laughs> I think for you know for, for for today is again we're moving more toward. Can I spend more time with my kids? Can I, you know, make sure that I pick them up from the, you know, the bus or wh- whatever it is, right? So it's becoming more about us and less about that brand. What she said about brands and what uh, Joel is uh, agreeing with, I tend to agree to. I want to work for a company I can be proud of and it doesn't have to be a big brand. It can be a, a little challenger, but I want to be proud of my company. I could mm. never work for a company with a brand that I, I would be ashamed to mention during conversation. Well, one thing we can all be proud of is being associated with this podcast. Ah, we can. (laughs) And with that, (laughs) another European show in the can. Boys, we out. We out. We out. Thank you for listening to, what's it called? The podcast. The chat. The cheese. Brilliant. They talk about recruiting. They talk about technology. But most of all, they talk about nothing. Just a lot of shout-outs of people you don't even know, and yet you're listening. It's incredible. And not one word about cheese. Not one. Cheddar. Blue. Nacho. Pepper Jack. Swiss. So many cheeses, and not one word. So weird. Anywho, be sure to subscribe today on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. That way, you won't miss an episode. And while you're at it, visit www.chatcheese.com. Just don't expect to find any recipes for grilled cheese. It's so weird. We out! Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.